Welcome to the Real Life Arizona podcast, the latest sermons from the Sunday worship gatherings of Real Life Ministries Arizona, delivered weekly right here. Let's get to this week's message. Three and a half years ago, or so, the Lord led my wife and I on a new journey. Um, and the, the new journey eventually took on this name, Real Life Arizona, and, and the heart behind it was to create a place where people could be real. Uh, in, in working in ministry for a couple of decades prior to this, um, definitely sensed the pressure in those environments. And, and you may even sense it here sometimes. <laughs> a, a temptation to not be real. A temptation to not be the real you or to bring the real you. Uh, but, but our heart has always been uh, to create an environment where, where people can be real. Um, because, because the life of following Jesus is real life. It's, it's not a Sunday morning experience. It, it's every day, in, in every moment, in every challenge, in every celebration, uh, in every uh, appearance of defeat, as well as victory. That is real life. And following Jesus is no escape. <laughs> it's no escape hatch from the realities of this world. But, but, but we believe that, and more and more so in our day, that people long for a place where they can be real. A place where they can be real and honest about their struggles. The problem is that, that the church... And, and we're responsible for that, right? Because we're part of the church. Have, have created this atmosphere where we, we begin to believe that it's not okay to be real. That it's not okay to struggle. And so it's, it was in the, in the middle of this journey of this, this new thing that God was calling us to that I, I needed a new office um, because I didn't have an office anymore. Um, I didn't have a quote-unquote real job anymore. And so uh, about two miles east of here is a Starbucks. And I began referring to that as my east office. Uh, it was my most common office, but I had others as well. Uh, they were under the same banner, served the same drinks, but were in different parts of town, depending on who I was going to meet. And uh, there was a new employee at my east office. And, and I noticed after a couple of visits there, that, that this new employee uh, had a very large cross tattooed on the inside of her forearm. And so that was the first thing that I noticed. The second thing that I noticed a little bit later on was that she also had a typical Starbucks name tag. And on that name tag uh, was the rainbow pride symbol. And so for quite some time I wrestled and, and I don't know if you know this about me, I'm a, I'm a curious person. They say curiosity killed the cat. Uh, if I was a cat, I would have been dead long, long ago because curiosity almost always gets the better of me. And, and so for, for a few weeks, I had been continuing to go to my east office. And one day, uh, the opportunity arrived as this young lady was, was working the area where they, they set the drinks out for you to come get them. Uh, and the place was more quiet than normal. 
and, and she was the only barista in that area at the time. And I thought, this is, this is my opportunity. And I said, I, I noticed the cross on your forearm. Uh, are you a Christian? Are, are, are you a believer? Are you a follower of Jesus? And she said some of the most heartbreaking words that I'd ever heard. She said, I would say I am, but others would say I am not. And I heard the pain in her voice. And curiosity got the better of me again. And I said, well, would you tell me more about that? And she began to share in the Starbucks about how she grew up in the church, about how her family was deeply involved in the ministry, and how much she loved playing instruments on the worship team and singing in the choir. Uh, but that the moment that she began to struggle with her sexuality, that she was no longer welcome in the place that she had grown up. She was no longer welcome uh, in the family of God that she had been born into. And as I listened to her story, I, I heard the struggle. And I said, well, pardon me for asking, but do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? That, that he went to the cross for you? and shed his blood that you might be saved and forgiven. She said, I do. I said, do you, do you believe that his word is true? And she said, I read it every day. And I said, do you desire to follow him with all of your heart? And she said, I do. And I said, well, who am I to tell you that you are not a Christian. We'll come back to that story a little bit later. Um, as Matt mentioned, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount for a number of weeks now. Uh, I've enjoyed it so much that I think when we finish, we're just going to start at the beginning again. <laughs> uh, and I think as we do, we're just going to discover... <laughs> Like, like how much work God has left to do in me, in us. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons for that. And, and the first is because the Sermon on the Mount is full of some of the most challenging teachings of Jesus. Like the hardest stuff. <laughs> Things like, if your eye causes you to sin, well, tear it out. Uh, that you need to love your enemies. That you need to be reconciled. Not only with those who have hurt you, but to go to those whom you have offended. Jesus doesn't ignore the difficulties of following him, and, but yet he calls us to it. And so it's some of the most challenging teachings of Jesus, but, but also some of the best known teachings of Jesus. It's where our culture, our world, gets phrases like the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The, the idea of going the extra mile. Uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount is so well known that, that these are just parts of our culture. Idioms in our 
day. But they often become disconnected from the teaching of Jesus. And, and the fact that they're well known doesn't necessarily mean that they're rightly understood or rightly interpreted. And the difficulty with that, of course, is that things can get kind of sticky for those who wish to follow Jesus because people can come to their own conclusions about what some of these sayings mean. And then as they watch the life of a Christian, decide that that person is a hypocrite. Calling them out on the words of Jesus himself. And, and, and today's passage is, is probably one of the biggest of those passages. Uh, and it, it, it really begins with just three words. Do not judge. Do not judge. And so you, you may have heard it before. People will say, well, well, Christians aren't supposed to judge. So, dot, dot, dot. Fill in the blank. And, and like I said, it, it gets sticky for us. Because, because what does it mean when Jesus says, do not judge? I think, I think it depends on who you ask. For some people, uh, do not judge means it's, it's none of your business what other people do with their lives. For others, uh, it might mean it's not your place to judge what's right and wrong. That's for every person to decide for himself or herself. Or maybe someone might say that it's, it's okay to have opinions, but you should just keep them to yourself. Uh, that that's what it means when Jesus says, do not judge. And it's sticky because, at least for myself, I, I don't want to look like a hypocrite <laughs> to a watching world. And yet, on the other hand, I desperately want to be faithful to what Jesus is saying, to what Jesus is calling me to. And so there's this, there's this pull and, and, and it beckons us to land, not, not where the world says we should land, but where Jesus says that we should land. So what, so what does it mean? What did it mean? How does Jesus want us to understand this very direct command? Do not judge, lest you be judged. Well... Let's get to those answers. Uh, and we're going to do it by looking at what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 1, uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And, and just to set it up for you, uh, he's going to start with a warning to his disciples. And then he's going to proceed to call some people out. And just so you know, uh, you are those people. I am those people. He is going to call every single person in this room out. And he's going to do so very strongly and very directly. Uh, so let's start with Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Jesus continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, where he casts his vision for the new kingdom that is commencing with his arrival, says this, 
to those gathered before him. He says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus is trying to get our attention. And, and this should get our attention. Because, uh, as an old show, when I was a kid, you used to say, because you know that I know that you know that I know. <laughs> that we all know that we make judgments about people all the time. And we make judgments about people on things that often really don't matter at all. As a matter of fact, it would, be, it would probably be easier to list the things that we don't make judgments about than to make a list of the things that we do. That's how pervasive this practice of judging is. I, I made a list of a few. I just grouped outward appearance <laughs> as, as one group. Um, but we, we judge people based on their age. Boomer? Gen, whatever, or, you know, conceptions. Uh, the clothes they wear, the car they drive, the team they cheer for. College football season is coming up, by the way. It's good news. Uh, what they eat or don't eat. Their exercise habits. This one's kind of funny, because it's not just whether you exercise or not, but whether you do the right type of exercise or not. Uh, because what I'm doing is actually the right thing to do, and what you're doing is just, yeah, I don't even know why you do that. Um, that reminded me, I used to give my wife a hard time about these workout videos that she did when we were first married. And then she's like, yeah, you ought to try it. Um, and I did, and then I didn't make fun of those videos anymore. <laughs> um, what we eat or don't eat, who we vote for, tattoos, piercings, and my personal favorite, uh, how much time that other person spends on their phone. Yes. Um, and I didn't even mention masks, no masks, vax, no vax. Like, that's, that's just where I'm even going to go there. Even though I just did. Um, so, and here's a question, right? Like, am I the only one who hates the judgments that I make about people? without even thinking about it. Like sometimes it's just so automatic that I find myself thinking something about something that in reality I have no desire to think that about this. So then I judge myself for judging them. And then I condemn myself for judging someone else. And I think that's a big piece of what Jesus is getting at here is this practice of condemning other people. Because in doing that, we're really putting ourselves in God's place. It's not the observation of behaviors or actions. We can't avoid that. He's not saying that we're not to have an opinion on morality or right or wrong. But it's this action of condemning others. And he gives us some motivation to avoid this practice when he says for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged and with the measure you use 
it will be measured to you. You know, in the marketplace of Jesus' day, uh, they used scales like these to buy and sell products in the marketplace. Grains, flour, things like that. And, and you would have these different measures that you would use. What Jesus is saying is be, be, be careful of the measures that you choose and you stack up on the scale of what it means to be right with God, about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Be careful what you choose to stack because with the measures that you stack, I will turn and measure you. You know, it's interesting, fun fact for you. Oftentimes when you see Jesus talking and he says, with the measure you use, you will be judged. It's a, it's a passive form of the verb. You're not doing the judging. Someone else is doing the judging, but the person doing the judging is unspoken. It's called a divine passive. And, and it's God who is doing the action in those divine passives. And so what Jesus is saying here, <laughs> as I said, is, is be careful the measures you stack. Be careful the eyes that you, the lens that you look through because that standard is going to be applied to you. This is where I say, I don't know how to explain to you how that's going to work. I don't, it's a mystery to me. It's a mystery to me how we will be covered by the blood of Christ. And yet these same things can be true. But here's what I do know is that with very strong words, Jesus is encouraging us to be people who measure by grace. To be people who measure by mercy. And the motivation is this. Choose the standard by which you want to be judged. And then begin applying it to those around you. So that was the warning. Uh, and next, Jesus is going to take the opportunity to call us out. In verses 3 through 5. He says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother or sister, You know, let me take the speck out of your eye. When there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite. Don't miss that. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to everyone in the room, so to speak. He says, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, it's interesting, in other places in Scripture, Jesus will say, which of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one, would not go in search of? Or which of you, having... But he doesn't say, which of you would do this? He simply says, why do you do this? None of us are exempt. We are all guilty it's the human condition. Our brains are hardwired for survival. 
because of the fall, let me throw that in there, because of the fall, because of the sinful nature of this world, because of the sinful nature um, that, inhib- that inhabits us, that we are hardwired for survival, and that this hardwiring fosters suspicion of other people. We want to feel safe. And feeling superior feels safe. Feeling inferior does not. So we pick out things. We judge others to bring them down a notch or two or ten in our minds. But Jesus peels back the curtain, reveals this for what it is. Nobody really considers Jesus a comedian, but but he certainly uses some humor here. When, When he talks about us looking and examining the speck in our neighbor's eye, but not noticing the log or the plank or the beam in our own, depending on your translation. Um, Structural engineer? Yes. Matt here's a structural engineer. Uh, This Greek term is the word used for uh, the most significant beam in a house that would hold up the entire roof. Uh, So you've got what might be a speck of sawdust or a splinter in one person's eye and this ridiculously large object uh, in our own eye. And that is what he's saying we are in possession of. I think Jesus is talking about awareness here. He's talking about self-awareness or a lack thereof. When I think about it, what I know about others and their faults or their failures or their weaknesses is like a speck compared to what I should know about my own if I care to notice, if I care to take the time to examine. That that what I can really know about your life, your heart, your story, what brought you to where you are, either because of your choices or because of the choice of another or many others, what I can know about you when I stand in judgment of you is, is so little by comparison, that that it is like a speck. And yet I can choose to want to focus on the speck in your eye and be completely oblivious to the beam that resides in me. That, That rather than focus on my own heart, rather than focus on our own hearts, we are more than happy to offer our assistance to those around us and the speck that we can see. Uh, John Del Husay, who was with us last week, makes this point in his commentary. He says, Judgmental people are poor judges, twice removed from reality, unable to read the heart of another and alienated from their own. And that's really what Jesus is getting at here. 
that in those moments that I stand in judgment, I do so because I am alienated from my own heart. You know, I think in this passage, Jesus gives us three reasons why we shouldn't judge others. Uh, The first is this. uh, We are not God. The second is that we are not God. And the third is that we are not God. Why should we not judge and condemn others? We're not God. We, we cannot know a person the way he does. This has been the theme from the Old Testament. The Lord, the, the man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Only he can truly know the heart of a person and the struggle that they are in. So we can't know them. We're biased and insecure. And yet something in us wants to be the judge. Well, thankfully, Jesus shares a remedy with us in the final part of this passage. He says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I don't want us to miss the fact that Jesus calls us hypocrites. So far, that term has been reserved for the Pharisees and the scribes in the Sermon on the Mount. And it was always an indication of someone who was missing out completely on the heart of the matter. That that they were people who were misunderstanding God altogether. That, That really had no knowledge of this God. This is a big You are not to be this for us, for Jesus. Uh, I thought it was interesting, previously, in all those other situations, uh, the hypocrite was someone who wanted others to believe something about them that wasn't true. That was why they clamored for attention, because they wanted people to believe something about them that wasn't true. And it just made me wonder... If what Jesus is warning us against is believing something about ourselves that isn't true. That we've arrived. That we've made it. That we're the righteous ones. And that we've earned that position. And that those who haven't have failed. And why does Jesus recommend that we first cast out the plank in our own eye? Well, first, I notice that he directs our attention away from what we can see, as he has done many times in the Sermon on the Mount. He directs our attention away from what we can see. Uh, Surface appearances, surface behavior, weakness in others, and directs it to where it should be and what really matters, the heart. Our hearts. And whether we are right before God. And second, that work of removing the plank. Jesus actually uses the same word that the authors of the Gospels use in describing Jesus casting out demons. 
to, to cast out the plank, to cast out the log or the beam. It implies full removal and extraction. You know, we, we expect that others should be fixed by now. Like really, don't, don't you think you've had enough time? We expect that others should be fixed by now. And I think Jesus is calling us to this work of extracting the plank. Because it should have a humbling effect. That, that the struggle in removing the planks from our own eyes should remind us of our own need for grace. Our own need for mercy. The fact that as soon as I remove one, I'm immediately aware of another. That this work is never done. And I think Jesus is inviting us into a process, a struggle, in which we will find ourselves saying, wow, it's not that easy, is it? It's just not that easy. Pride leads us to a place of judgment. But humility, being humbled, will lead us to a place of grace and mercy. Jesus is calling us to be plank extractors, not speck inspectors. The, the, the speck in my brother's eye is not nearly the cause for concern but the plank in my own eye is. John Dell, who say, I'm kind of fanboying on him, I guess, today, <laughs> but he's so thoughtful and, and thinks things through so deeply. Uh, reminded me of this this week. He says that Jesus embodies the pause between God's loving invitation and just accountability. That's what Jesus embodied in his life. That's what he continues to embody today, is this pause between God's loving invitation and just accountability. And we are called to be his body, his instruments in that extended season. Nowhere does he invite us to be the judge, but everywhere he invites us to be ambassadors for the kingdom. Everywhere he invites us to be followers of the way. Everywhere he invites us to be brothers and sisters. But never, ever, the judge. Because we are not God. Thank you for joining us. Real Life Arizona is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. For more information about Real Life, please visit our website at reallifearizona.com or email us at info at May God richly bless you.